You're listening to Out of Bounds with John McHenry and Gary Murphy. Welcome to episode 13 of the Out of Bounds podcast with me, Gary Murphy. And me, John McHenry. John, we've got a great show lined up this morning. We've got a good review of Jason Day's stunning victory last week at the US PGA Championship. Yeah, it's a, a great victory and overdue, really. I mean, this guy has been a top performer for a long time, but it's great to see him now finally come to the fore. We're also going to take, I wouldn't say a final look, but a look at the amateur focus and US amateur this week. And Walker Cup selection on Monday, so plenty to talk about in that, and also the Irish Amateur Close Championship, which is on this week and tomorrow. And we're also going to have a, a kind of global look at the game with the demise of Tiger Woods and the powerhouse of American golf. But certainly at the moment, with the players involved, it's looking like there's a, a serious global reach on the game with the stars from all corners of the globe, and we'll have a look at that too. And last but not least, a little bit late this week, but we've got uh, Donald Hughes going to give us a preview on the Wyndham Champion and Championship in the States and see if we can follow on from his great tipping last week with Jason Day and Brooks Kopka and find a winner for you. Well, John, the final major of the year is done and dusted the USPGA Championship and we had a, a wonderful and worthy winner in, in Jason Day with a record total of minus 20 for the championship the first time in the history of major golf that someone has got to minus 20 and it was I guess a, a victory that was richly deserved considering his his close runs and I mean he's played in, this was his 20th major and he had nine top 10 so it was a guy that earned his stripes so to speak Absolutely, he's been knocking on the door for quite a while and uh, <clears throat> you know just as recently as the Open Championship um, he, he, he was in position to win and didn't actually deliver but I think this time he wasn't going to leave um, without, without wasn't going to leave Whistling Straits without this tournament and I think from the outset he set out there with a purpose uh, played brilliant golf <clears throat> played one dimensional golf in many ways and, 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 and don't get me wrong on that but he still plays a power game, and, yeah. and, and, and what what Day has is remarkable consistency. He he has doesn't have many flaws in his game, <clears throat> but at times there, you could see even in the last round, it was a case of hoping that the driver was going to go in the fairway because he wasn't going to pull out any other club. Um, but he played brilliantly, he putted brilliantly, and he richly deserved that tournament victory. I think almost the changing of the game, and it's you hear it in sport all the time now, but the modern game, but. I would suggest that, that that victory was almost won as much in the gym as it was done on the range too because that that power game that he brought was, you know, I guess we saw it early in Tiger's career that he stood up and hit the ball further than anybody else. Never with the accuracy, I think, that the, the modern day players have, but he... He just overpowered the golf course and then he, you know, he ticked all the boxes. He His iron play and short game mm-hmm. and putting everything click that week and it was remarkable that Keimer won there in, in 2010 with 11 under par mm. which was only good enough for 10th mm. last Sunday so it's, Absolutely. it's a changing of the guard <clears throat> I, it, it is a changing of the guard I, you know I, I'm i not a great fan of the power game I mean don't get me wrong <clears throat> you know golf courses tend to be b- big, being built bigger longer uh, nowadays guys are hitting guys balls 360 yards they're playing, play, they're playing power fives and hitting drives and wedges to it you know I mean 
to me, the subtlety goes out of the game where you, where you have to shape shots, where you actually have to make up and invent shots for certain situations. And we find that time and time and again when, when, when guys are on hard, firm Lynx golf courses. And I know we played a Lynx look and feel type golf course uh, in Whistling Straits. But when they play a proper Lynx golf course, the golf courses are shorter. Um, there's a lot more dog legs, a lot trickier shots, but more importantly, the guys are being asked to play a, a lot more shots. So what you had last week is you had in day, you had a a guy who was hitting the ball really, really well, a long, long, long way. And he's the best scrambler on tour. And, uh, you know, he's a brilliant putter. And I think, you know, when he when he made a mistake, he allowed his short game to come in a, a, and take advantage. And even when he got to 20 under par, it was interesting because he made a couple of mistakes, but then just w- went off and birdied the next couple of holes again. So, mm-hmm. um, look, I, I, I think that day is, day is brilliant. I think that we now have the top three players. Their average age is 25. So it, it's been a huge changing of the guard in that respect. Um, that, you know, before players were looking up to the likes of uh, Niklas to Ballesteros to even Woods people in their 30s nowadays they're looking up to guys who are 21, 22 24, 25 years of age and I think that more and more the college kids are coming out ready to win they're all focusing on bombing the ball as far as you can but how long is a piece of runway and how long you know is a golf property and I think that at some point that common sense has to start prevailing here and, and people have to realise that there are 14 clubs in a bag for a reason. You know, when when um, Shane plays Firestone and he, only, and he doesn't have any three wood in his bag, when, when um, these guys are just taking out driver all day, every day, they're hitting it, advancing it as far down the course as they possibly can and then they're, they're, they're trying to make it work with wedges from that point onwards and th- th- surely be to God there's more to golf than, than just that alone. Yeah, I think we're just seeing a bigger split now in the game because, you know, if, if you look back and I mean, it's I think sport and stuff is all about looking forward and that. But if you look back to the days when you went to Port Marnock for the Carl's Irish Open and and then Nick Faldo was there and, you know, it was all on rhythm and, and swing. And that's the way I guess, you know, or even I remember when Freddie Couples won the Masters in 92, I went out to you know, try swing it like Freddie for for the next couple of weeks. And, mm. you know, it was a long, flowing, smooth swing. The ball dictated that you had to shape it because the ball was was a lot softer and, and not as, you know, I mean, the balls nowadays are like like playing with slates compared to what they were. But so you have a situation where the young kids now, they're looking they're looking at different a different thing on the TV. They're looking at guys that are fit, that are strong, that work out as hard as you possibly can. And the psyche now is to to stand up and, and be strong and athletic, hit it and, you know, kind of work your way from there. So the mindset of the next generation is completely different. And I thought it was really poignant that Day this week said about Tiger that his aura is broken and the mm. fear factor is gone. And I think he's probably one of the first guys. Now, whether he's got across the major line and he he's summoned up the balls to say it, but that is the fact of the matter that you had a situation on Sunday afternoon that it actually helped Jason Day to have the best player in the world who is Jordan Spieth at mm. the moment. Mm. There can be no doubt about that. And I don't think there'll be any doubt that Rory will come back and contend, but that's for later in the show. But the fear factor is gone in every shape and form because the mentality now is completely different. Mm. Mm. They're stronger and fitter. They're, I think the fact that they're fitter um, emotionally, they're a lot more grounded. Mm. 
their mood swings are are more based on adrenaline and achievement rather than worry and fear. And I think that is the one thing that has changed. And you have to say, okay, they are hitting the ball a lot further, but you know, the average amateur is hitting the ball a little bit further mm. too. Mm. And I think it's exciting to see to see because I I think there's a huge amount of of skill in the fact that they can hit it as far and straight as they can. I don't agree with you, Gary. I mean, I think that um, the technology is there. The ball is flying more consistently. We know if you throw it up in the air, it's going to fly further. So you you know if you hit it high, it's going to go further. You've got you've got equipment now that is consistent that when you do throw it, that will allow you to launch the ball in, in the air a lot quicker and a lot more easily. Um, you've got you've got shafts that are the torque is controlled in such a way that it, it, it matches up with your body and I think that you've got a ball that flies straight and I think that uh, they're all good advances in the game and they're fantastic advances for the amateur okay but I think that <clears throat> just, you know I've always said this like just like Formula 1 where it changes the rules on a regular basis I think that you know if, if, if you know players can't even the audience a 360 yard drive down the fairway means little or nothing. But a 360-yard shot to a target means means an awful lot. And yet a fairway is a target. So I think that like going forward, you know, it, it, it's very, very interesting. If they're not prepared to change the ball, if they're not prepared to change the, uh, the golf clubs, I actually think that probably the next solution is to change the scoring system. So there's more weight put on hitting fairways. There's more weight putting on hitting greens and so on. And there's some sort of a scoring mechanism that changes. But but personally, I think that the biggest problem I have with all of this is that you've got great golf courses around the world being overrun by these by these guys. And if it, the longer this allow, you allow this to happen. The guys are going to continue to get bigger, faster, stronger, uh, you know, and they're going to continue to learn how to actually create more and more club head speed. But to what purpose in, in yeah, the end? Yeah, but you end? have to control that speed too, though. That's, yeah, but, that's yeah, the but big the, challenge. But, but, but the, 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 the equipment now is so consistent now that you can that you can do that. In our days, you didn't have this consistency. I mean, I, I actually played before tournament trucks ever even came out on, on the tour. You had persimmon heads where you might have two identical heads and, and one played completely different to the other one. The ball was different and so on. You know, in cold conditions, you had to wait. The bo- you, you had the ball in your pocket trying to keep it warm. I mean, I know it sounds yeah, incredible know, but, in, but, in but this thing, day and age. I, I think the big thing is <clears throat> it is the entertainment business. And I know from playing in pro-ams and you stand up and you hit a drive and your partners are, wow, wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, when these people, spectators, go to these tournaments, they want to see stuff that they don't see every Saturday and Sunday. But didn't Seve entertain? Um, you know, doesn't Elizabeth entertain? I mean, you know, I, I'm saying that there, there are people who play other brands uh, of golf who entertain. No, there are. I mean, and the win of Shane's against against um, against Bubba down the stretch was entertaining because it was, you know... You could, you could argue the, the the tiger to a large part, who never hit any fairways in his, his yeah. entire career, was entertaining. He, he did, but I think I think from the spectator point of view that they want to see guys now. They want to see guys doing stuff that they can't do or ever do because that's what the excitement is. And then you go back to your club and you try do it. I think that's the you know if you look at Formula One, well, why would you even look at Formula One? Someone drive around corners at 190 miles an hour because you want to see people doing stuff that you can't do. Now, I agree with you to a certain extent that the game needs to be modified a little bit. But I just think that, 
I think the players are different now. I mean, oh, I, I, I totally agree with you there in that one. I mean, I think that as as athletes, there's no comparison. I think as competitors, given the circumstances that they're in, given the environment that they're in, I think that the best person won in day, and I think that he's a huge addition to golf going forward. I've no doubt about that. It's yeah, I, I think it's. I think there is a little bit of a worry because you have a course this week at the Wyndham Championship, which hopefully Doc will give us a winner. But you know, it's seven thousand one hundred yards. I mean, seven thousand one hundred yards was a monster back in the day, mm. and now it's you know, if the weather is forecast to be very hot and dry, it's going to be it is going to be chicken feed for these guys. But I personally think for a guy that drove the ball well above average throughout my career, I I do think it is a huge. A huge arsenal in the sense that it does set up the golf course for you. But if you're coming down the stretch in a major championship and you know that if you drive it the way you can, you can pretty much set up that that round and that that tournament for him. But you still have to go do it. There's still a mental, huge mental factor in hitting golf shots, and I, I think that's why the game will all, always be a level. Well, John, we have kind of. Both ends of the spectrum in the amateur scene this week. We've got the glory and prestige of the of the US Amateur Championship. We have three guys there who travelled over, Cormac Sharvin, Gary Hurley and Paul Dunn. And unfortunately, Cormac and Gary didn't make it through. Paul won his match last night, so he's in, into the last 32 today. Two rounds, um, hopefully, for Paul to play today. You know, and it's very exciting for these kids to go over and, and get a chance had a shot at, you know, the the biggest um, biggest prize in amateur golf. And that's all great. And we have then the Irish Amateur Close Championship, which I won in 92. Yourself, Johnny? 86. 86. Yeah, so, yeah. and I know from when I won it that that, that was my green jacket. You mm. know, that was the biggest thing that I felt I could possibly do. Mm. And there was a huge excitement about the whole victory and now I don't think it's the same this week we have you know it's on and tomorrow and it's great to see Eddie Power mm-hmm. uh, back defending his title from 87 when he beat J.P. Fitzgerald and I never actually thought that J.P. Fitzgerald would make a fortune out of golf with that duck hook that he had <laughs> but he, he certainly has but I think it's very sad like we had the home internationals last weekend and there's only four out of the guys playing there this week and mm. it's yeah, times have changed. Way, it? I mean, times have changed. And I think that, um, I, I suppose if we put things in context, first of all, um, a title is a title. And, mm. and an Irish close, if it's there to be won by somebody and anybody who does, does win it, uh, fully deserves uh, all the plaudits that they get. Because, again, you can only beat what's, what's in front of you, like any field, any week. Yeah. But I do agree with you. I think that... Somewhere along the line, um, you know, now now that uh, Irish amateurs are playing on a on a world stage, um, everything gets diluted, and 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 very often they're chasing world ranking points, and those world ranking points don't uh, agree with the scheduling of Irish events. So you've had problems with the South of Ireland, you now have problems with the Irish Close, and, and where is it going to go to? And I think at the end of the day, uh, the GUI have to sit down. And they have to prioritize what are the key events. You know, I mean, and, and, and the, you know, there were always 
the East, the South, the North, and the Irish. Okay, yeah. and, you know, and then you had a couple of very big scratch cups and so on. Okay. And the West, yeah, and the West. Excuse me, sorry. But if Stuart Ryan is going, if Stuart Ryan wins the close this week, yeah, he's going to have won the East, the South, and the close. Yeah. Now he's not even going to be remotely close to a Walker Cup team. Yeah. Not even if it was probably a twenty-man team, he wouldn't yeah. get on it. Yeah. That's a little bit sad, you'd have to say. But but then again. Who's controlling the world rankings? I mean, you know, if, if, if you think of Ireland and, and the pedigree that it has produced in terms of world golf over the last number of years, surely be to God, it can turn around to the RNA, it can turn around to the USGA even and sort of say, hang on a second now, we're producing the cream of the crop from Europe's perspective. We need to have more weight on our tournaments and more importantly, we need to create a schedule that we guarantee that we have the best players because it's very, very important that the best players are there. Yeah. They're visible for the younger players coming through. Totally. They, are, they are there on pedestals to be knocked off and, and that's what breeds competition and that's what breeds successful winners. Um, and I think that more and more now what you have is You've separation. You, you, it's almost like you're a challenge tour player. Uh, uh, you know, you have a different league that the top amateurs are playing in to the rest of the field, mm, and, and yeah. that doesn't do anybody any good in the longer run. And yes, the, the GOI will argue that they've been very, very successful, but it's very, very sad that when you've got, you know, a lot of players and a lot of, uh, we say, a lot of players who are over the age of twenty three, twenty four who still view the West and who still mm-hmm. view the South and the North and the East and the Irish Crows as being their majors. And suddenly, the kingpins aren't around, mm-hmm. you know. And why aren't they around? Oh, well, there's not enough world ranking points in, in, in the event. Something has to change. And, and I think that, uh, you know, we're, we're only talking about five big events in an entire golfing calendar. Yeah. Now, the fact that in my day, it was all about achieve as much as you possibly could and hopefully you'll get picked in the home internationals. But when the home internationals are, are before the Irish close, the, there's something all wrong in the system. And the big thing that's missing on it too as well is you, you can have a situation where, and, and down the years, all the successful pros that we've produced have won championships because they have that winning mentality. And I would rather win the West of Ireland every year than finish 10th in the St. Andrews Lynx Trophy. And the problem with this is that you know, Stuart Grenz had a brilliant mm. season. He's won two championships, mm. and he's got a winning mentality. And he's going into the match play thinking, t- you know, today, you know, here's another championship on the line. Whereas, we will have, well, hopefully, five guys in in the Walker Cup. Jack Hume has won the West. Cormac Sharvin won the Brabs and didn't play. Uh, Gary Hurley hasn't won anything this year. Mm. Gavin Moynihan won the stroke play. So, you know, we want to. Pr- I think that producing that winning mentality is going to help them when they mm. get into the pro ranks and not just, you know, you know, do we want to create superstar pros? Yes, we do. Like Shane Lowry, who won everything around him. Mm. And then he gets into the pro scene, takes a little bit of time to find his feet. Well, it took him about four days in the Irish <laughs> Open, but, you know, once he got out on tour, but he had that instinctive winning mentality from doing it in his amateur days. McDowell was the same, yeah. won everything. Yeah. Harrington was the same, won everything. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where it's getting a little bit lost in translation because we're working on world ranking points and stuff. Win your home championship. See if you can mop up all around you in Ireland and, and then go forward. Because, and I, and I would totally agree with that sentiment because I think that there's nothing better than winning. Having a winning culture drives you on. And ultimately, 
you have to beat the best and the best is that field that day, that week. Um, you know, I always remember when Luke Donald was was struggling in America and he wasn't qualifying for the Ryder Cup and I, I, I made a call, I just sort of said on air, just said, you know, the guy needs to come back into Europe. He needs to learn how to win again. He mm. plays against a, a, a slightly um, less stronger field. Um, but the reality is he came back, he won a couple of events, he, his momentum changed and and he went off and, and pushed on from there. Yeah. You know, there are times when winning is more important. It doesn't matter what caliber event, but but in this in in this situation, I think that we should be controlling the world ranking points. I think that we should have a say and determining that our best amateurs play in all these key events. Absolutely. Well, that's the only way to control it. Yeah. Get them all to play, and then then we'll see. We've gone out of bounds. With John McHenry and Gary Murphy. Contact us on limitlessmedia.ie. Follow us on Twitter at Out of Bounds IRL and like us on Facebook. Well, Gary, getting back to an earlier point, we spoke about uh, the emergence, obviously, now of three guys, their average age is 25 in Jordan Speeth. Jason Day and Rory McIlroy, the top three players in the world. And more importantly, behind them, you've got the likes of Brandon Grace, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, Matsuyama always kind of get caught on him. <coughs> and, you know, you've got Ricky Fowler in there and Brooks Koepka. All around the 25, 26, 27 years of age, obviously Jordan Speed being a little bit younger. But it's great for golf because now not only have you got these guys competing against each other, but you have them representing different continents around the world, w- w- which is fantastic. So you have you know, Speed in America, you've got Day in Australia, McElroy in, in, in Europe, we'll say Irish, um, Grace from South Africa and, and Matsuyama from Japan. So, you know, these are all the big power brokers in golf, in world golf. And, it, and you know, it, it bodes very, very well for the future of golf. It does. And it, it, it gives a different a different angle, I guess, on it because we... We were, and we probably are too, still to a certain extent, but we were so dependent on Tiger. And the reality is his greatness and his genius, he could carry the can by himself. But we do need maybe four or five or six guys to do the work of one. And the fact that we have it as, a, as you know, global ambassadors now is great. Because obviously Rory takes a lot of boxes on both sides, but he is a European player. And Jordan is is the superstar in the States. But then we've got Jason Day, who's covering the, you know, the Asia, Australasia angle, and then go a little further north. And you've Matsuyama, who's a huge, huge mm-hmm. draw in Japan and Asia. Um, you know, it, it, I think it needed that volume of players. Mm-hmm. I know Nike, uh, Rory signed a huge deal with Nike and stuff, but Tiger of the modern generation is, you know, he was phenomenal. I don't think we'll ever see, we might see better golf as we did with Spieth this mm-hmm. year. But I don't think we'll see someone to to drag so many people into the game and change the face of the game. And we're fortunate now with with the changing of the guard that they're all kind of picking up the slack from Tiger. Mm. And I think that uh, 
if you're over the 28 barrier, if you're, you know, you're looking over your shoulder saying, my God, you know, are, are they going to bring the age limit for the senior store down, you know, yeah. because I'm going to be redundant in another few years. Um, but it, it, it is wonderful. And I think that uh, it's going to bring a lot more commercial interest. It's going to bring a lot more press around the world. And I think it's going to bring a lot more sponsors into the fray because they're going to want to get involved mm-hmm. supporting their own product and so on. And I think that, um, you know, you're right. I think the tiger has been the catalyst for all of this. Um, but having said that, I think that this this is now going to be the case going forward. I don't see any one of these players jumping out and becoming a dominant Tiger Woods. Um, I think that the, I think there's going to be a lot of attrition. I think there's going to be a lot of players who are going to you know have fantastic careers, winning maybe two, three, four, five yeah. major championships, and that's about as far as it's going to go yeah. uh, in this period of time. Because I think that now more and more the pool is getting younger, wider, broader. It's Competition is getting way tougher. Uh, we've seen that statistically. Uh, you know, Tiger Woods in 2000, uh, you know, compared to Spieth in 2015, the standards are just have gone through the roof in terms of performances and so on. The pack is so much The pack is so much stronger. It is. It is. You know, it really is. And, and it's a good pack because, I mean, like all of these guys we've talked about, I mean, they're, they're coherent, they're articulate, they're, yeah. you know, they're good guys, you know, I mean, um, and, and I think that they represent golf very, very well. And I think more importantly, uh, y- you know, for guys going into college now, for guys, you know, leaving the amateur scene, They've got to push hard very quickly because uh, they're going to make it or they're not going to make it before you could have sort of earned your spurs over time. Uh, you know, I mean, I remember my time, you know, they were talking about the, you know, the peak age for, for a golfer where you really started to find your feet was around 32, 33 years of yeah. age. I mean, now we're talking it's maybe 23 years of age, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but that, that they are. These younger generation now will hopefully be able to sell golf to a younger generation as well. Uh. I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I think like the most important thing, especially for the for the guys, you know, coming up and through the ranks, you have to have, you know, a, a proper focus on on who you are and what you are and what you can achieve. I think it's very dangerous to fall into the chap, uh, trap of chasing rainbows too, and and having to change everything. I think what you have, you have, and you make it as good as it can possibly be for you. There's, I think if you look at, you know, the relationships now, you know, Speed's had the same coach this whole time. Rory's had the same coach. Jason Day's had the same coach. I know Matsuyama's changed and he's gone to Pete Cowan, but, and that has worked well. But there's been incidents where, where it hasn't. I still think continuity is a, is a huge thing as long as it exists within what you have. And you can see that with the guys achieving now. They, they have that, you know, same coaches, same kind of team around them, uh, same caddies as such. And I think that it's, it is important that, you know, it is coming at them a lot quicker and they have to adapt and think on their feet and develop probably quicker than they did in our day. But I still think the you know what? What's whole, what holds still holds true will will still prevail, even though you know it might might mean a little more time mm. in the gym than it, than it does on the range. But mm. you, as Bob Torrance said, it's still just a ball on grass. Mm. And being greedy and looking at McElroy, um, he's had a majorless year. So in that sense, it's been very a poor harsh, year. John. Very, very harsh, very, very harsh. harsh. And and you know we we know all about his injury. But I mean, if there's one thing you'd say to him. Now, going forward, uh, you know, from my point of view, it's get your scheduling right. 
you know, I think that he 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 was undercooked going into a Masters this year, in my opinion. Um, and while he fo- found very good form, he found it just a fraction too late. Yeah. Um, you know, I think certainly, it, it, you know, I don't see McElroy having the same scrambling potential and the and, and the feel around uh, on the greens that that Speed and Day possess. Okay, so I think there there are areas that he that he can fine tune and to become an even more lethal competitor than he already is. What what what's your interpretation? I I still think I still think his best is better than what's out there. No, I agree. I really do. Uh, I I. Probably from a selfish reason, I'd like to see him play more. Uh, he Speed's played twenty-one times this year. Rory's missed three events, so he would have only played twelve. And I don't think that's enough. I think they should. I would up, up the limit for them on the European Tour and the PGA Tour, and get them to play. I mean, if they play twenty-five events a year, you know, it's still only half a year. Mm. It's, it's nothing from the point of view. You know, it's not lugging your case and your clubs around, jumping on a Ryanair flight. They're all travelling private now. There's no, there's no stress in travelling mm. for these guys because they play great and they can afford to do it. But there is no hardship mm. going to play in tournaments anymore. And I would like to see, like to see Rory play a little bit more because if he's playing this seldom at a young age, what's he going to be like when he gets older? And, and as Rory has proven time and time again, when Rory gets on a run of playing a lot of events, he plays his best golf. So in many ways, he's flying in conflict to what he knows works for him. Yeah. Um, like he has when he has played his best golf, he's on like last year, he went on a run of about 10 tournaments in a row, you know, or the, or the year before. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that that should be the case, but certainly Rory needs to be competing and, and the more he competes, I think the better he gets. And hopefully uh, he is going to be inspired now. Um, and I think that you're right. I think that like he will be motivated now to get back at speed and get back at day and stamp his authority. But there's a lot of young kids there waiting to burst through as well. And, and, it, and it is going to be tough. It'll be tough. But I mean, the hardest thing Rory has to do is, is play his own game. If he gets to his level, I think his level is still still a little scratch ahead of ahead of the others. Well, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by Donald Hughes, our resident golfing expert, who wonderfully tipped up Jason Day and, and Brooks Cupka last week. Nice work, Doc. Thanks, guys. How's it going? Okay, Doc, we've got an exciting uh, golf in store on the PGA Tour this week with the Wyndham Championship, which is the last counting event for the FedEx Series. And... Do you fancy Tiger to get the job done this week? <laughs> no, no, not really, Gary. To be honest, but it's it's nice to see it's nice to see him fronting up for the event, and it'll be interesting to see how he goes. But for me, no, it's not really it's not really Tiger's week. But let's as well stick in some of our winnings, our Brooks Kupka winnings uh, at sixteen to one. I think those are good odds if you're in interested in in the win market this week, even if he doesn't. Uh, you know, he's still worth an each way look. Tied fifth at the PGA. In the each way market, I like I like three guys. I'll give you Justin Thomas at twenty five to one. First of all, I think he's due a win soon on the PGA Tour. He was again tied eighties last week at Whistling Straits. He was very good greens and regulation. Just didn't get his share of putts. He's coming off good finishes at the Quick and Loans and John Deere. He played here at, at the Sedgefield um, Country Club in two thousand nine. So he knows the. He knows the course. He's 25-2 and something will happen for him soon. 
Two other guys, Will Wilcox, I see, and Carl Patterson. They're both at 45 to 1. Wilcox is another one of those guys. He's from GMAX, uh, old alma mater, University of Alabama. He's on some good run of form as well at the Barracuda. who solo second at the Barbasol and top 10 to John Deere. He's statistically the best player overall on tour. So 45 to 1 are good odds for him each way. And Carl Patterson, 45 to 1 as well, former winner of the event. Doc, um, the Wyndham this week is more about who's going to qualify for the FedEx Cup in my mind. I know, I know. obviously there's a tournament there to be won, but there's a lot of big names there hanging out there trying to do well enough this week to qualify for the FedEx. You've got Luke Donald, Ernie Els, Tiger, loads of other real pedigree in the field there, uh, Charles Schwartzel, all trying to do well enough. Who, who, who are your bets in terms of being able to actually do enough this week to, to force their way into the FedEx? Luke Donald, yeah, Luke Donald has been having a, a good season, a good a good trying season. I think he's on the he's on the up. With my guy, I think the leaderboard at the end of it, John, will will be much like you know it has been in, in previous weeks. These guys, like the likes of Justin Thomas and Wilcox, these guys are taking up their spots regularly in the top ten. And the likes of Ernie L, Luke Donald are going to have to do brilliantly you know, to, to break into the top 10. I don't think that these guys are just going to go away for one week. So I think it'll be, it'll be one or two. Luke Donald deserves it, surely. You know, he, he, he's a guy that I really like. But um, I, I think it's getting more and more difficult for these guys to have one great week. With the youngsters now, they're just, they're just really pumping out these top 10s. And so it, it just makes it more difficult for the establishment. There's really been a change of order you know, on, on the PGA Tour this, this this last couple of years, the likes of Jason Day and Jordan Spieth and these guys. So uh, there really is a changing of the guard there. And, and low scoring uh, predicted in, uh, in Europe this week? Well, the maybe Denmark um, opened the start to John and David Horsey's gone around in mm. eight under today. Uh, mm. So, uh, and they've got great weather. They've got, they've got great weather to start. So we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. I mean, that, that one is wide open. And it's it's great that they have got that um, that part that 120 yard part three with 8,000 people around it. So I mean it's 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 good. And the European Tour, Keith Pelly, their new man, kind of um, gave his first interview this weekend. So let's see how he gets on. Maybe he can rejuvenate the European Tour, kind of change structures a bit, get more sponsorship there, and try to you know really promote the European Tour, not just the last couple of events, the, the big money events. Um, in, in the Emirates and Dubai and stuff like that. Hopefully he can kind of bring something new to it. It was kind of a, a very low-key transition, guys, wasn't it? George O'Grady kind of slipped away very quietly and uh, this guy, fairly came in, Canadian guy. So we'll have to see how he gets on. We'll give him a chance and hopefully he can kickstart the European Tour. There's nothing we want more than to be talking about the European Tour more excitedly every week than the PGA Tour. Donald, thank you very much for your contribution as usual. Uh, very, very uh, interesting. And hopefully, hopefully you, you, you'll keep that run going. What Kelly needs to do is book three Ryanair seats for, for the three of us to come over and we'll sit them down in the office and tell <laughs> there them. No, there'll be no shortage of opinion there, Donald. It'll be a case of like, who will talk first. <laughs> Thanks, Donald. Well, folks, thanks very much for listening to our show today, the Out of Bounds podcast, episode 13. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to chatting to you in the future. Thanks, Gary. John, as always, a pleasure, font of wisdom and knowledge. <laughs>